Radio Newark, the home of Radio Newark Sport. Weeknights from 7. Radio Newark Sport. Brought to you with Smith's Timber Merchants. For all your fencing, decking and DIY needs on Appleton Gate, Newark. Visit smithstimber.co.uk. Tonight we get ready for the new rugby season with Alan Swain and Will Britton. And new car and M chairman Luke Chignall joins us to talk about a massive day for his club. I'm Mick Bradley. He's Tony Smith. This is the renowned Radio Newark Sport. And these are some of the headlines you may have missed while we was on our hollybobs. The Newark Half Marathon attracted over 1,300 runners. No first places for our locals, but a wonderful effort from Chloe Hubbard saw her come home third lady. Exciting news with international honours for a friend of this show and a Newark strider, Peter Davis, who donned his England vest for the first ever time for the Maidenhead Half Marathon, which incorporated England versus the Celtic Masters. Running against the very best in his age group, Peter finished in 1.42.28, placing him ninth in the men's veteran 65 class. Laura Bates was part of a four-woman team that won their category at the National Triathlon Championships held at Own Pierpont. A full report on this one on our social media pages. And Isabel Darvell finished the 2019 road racing season with the women's race at the Bourne Festival and after being at the front for most of the race she got caught up in a crash with several other riders at about the 15k mark finally finished in 17th place but more importantly second under 19 rider but to eclipse everything Olivia Mathias won the silver medal at the World Under 23 Triathlon Championships held in Lusain last weekend we sent Gareth Bagley over to have a look at that one his full report also on our web pages Newark Athletic Club's Ollie Crampton came away with a personal best at the 3000 metres at the Charnwood Open and Charlotte Maiden came second in the Wee Wonders British Open golf star in the making there Newark Lawn Tennis Club's ladies twos beat Cornton in a local derby to maintain their lead at the top of Division D and finally, not fast, Steve and Sue Needham spent their weekend doing the Chateau de Chantilly. Say a bit of French there, Tone. Triathlon, a 1500m swim, 47k cycle ride, and a 10k run. I think if I was spending the weekend in France as a Chateau, that's not what I would be doing. It's rugby all the way tonight, apart from a little bit of cricket and a little bit of his lordship here as he uh, gets his teeth into the question that I'm just about to ask him. We don't normally do politics, Mr Smith, do we? We don't, you know, we, we stay clear that of politics. That would a bit like here. Boris Johnson on that one. But I thought um, a comment that I picked up today from um, the Houses of Parliament sums up your answers quite well. I wrote it down. A compendula of meaningless platitudes. Wow. Hey, that's good, isn't it? 
Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know you were bilingual. So, if you can do a compendular, meaningless platitude, I thought platitude was a sort of a duck. Well, I'm, I'm very impressed with the way the show started because you've proved you don't only murder English, you can murder French now. Exactly. Right, <laughs> your subject tonight is yes. that Lincoln City Manager Danny Cowley has turned down the vacant role at Huddersfield Town, but apparently is in talks with Championship rivals Sheffield Wednesday. Huddersfield had agreed a £1 million compensation fee for Cowley, his brother and their assistant. But the pair rejected the move. This is despite Huddersfield, who sacked their manager after one game, offering £1.5 million a year in wages. It's understood that the brothers jointly earn around a tenth of that amount at Sinsel Bank. Danny said it would have been the perfect opportunity for us to leave Lincoln, but we have built something special here, and the time isn't right for us to walk away at the moment from this brilliant football club where we've had so much success. Yeah, I mean, the grass isn't always greener. And if you find a job that fits like a glove, like the Cowleys have at Lincoln City, then, you know, the bigger clubs, when they come in, they're always appealing, but they're not necessarily the right moves. And um, I once went, spent a very fascinating day as a guest of the uh, chief exec of uh, Lincoln City, and he spoke more common sense over the course of that football match to me than um, I've ever heard in my life. And basically, they get the gate receipts, and then they pay the players, and if there's any money left, they give it to the manager. If there isn't, tough, we carry on with what we've got. And they're not going to go bust doing it that way. Absolutely bang on. Whereas... You know, if you go to another club and suddenly they're offering you 1.5 million, then I know for a fact Sheffield Wednesday haven't got that sort of money to throw around because they're another of those clubs we were talking about like last night. Or the likes of Macclesfield, the likes of Bolton Wanderers, and the likes of Bury who are now talking about starting in steps one to four. So, you know... Cal is a fairly unique in modern-day football. They are unique, but the... Lincoln City are fairly unique in that the club is run superbly and should be a model for any football club out there and the Cowleys are a perfect fit so why do you want to go? You might be working for completely different people completely different demands from the supporters and suddenly life is not a bowl of cherries anymore You mentioned Berry, and I just want to quickly go on to them because apparently they've been given up as an unprecedented return to the AFL after it had emerged that clubs would discuss the situation mm. later on this month. They've been expelled. As per league rules, they've been expelled. And they've got to start in... But they're talking about putting them back... In, into in, Division 2. No, in, I think that's wrong. In League 2. I think that's wrong. However, the Football Supporters Association are talking about putting them back into steps 1, 2, 3 or 4. And I think that's the right way of going about it. Let yeah. them earn the right to be a league as, club again. As sad as it was that they've gone... Hmm. The, 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 the company went into liquidation. They're gone now, but, right, that, but gone. that's history. So, they've got to earn. But you can't just put them in there. Because if they put them in there, that's changing everything that's been said already this season. So, it's going to be the detriment of somebody coming up from the National League. Yeah, I mean, but basically, if they're put back into Division 2 for the start of next season then it's going to spoil the efforts of somebody who's come up through the National League and earned their right, rather than prove that they couldn't run the, the football club properly, as Bury obviously couldn't. Meanwhile, Greater Manchester Police have launched a fraud investigation involving the club. The Greater Manchester mm. Police said the report of fraud was made on June the 18th, a month before the owner agreed to a company voluntary agreement. 
that's got to look back on the EFL then, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the, no, nobody's come out of this well, but you can't start punishing other clubs that are run properly by reinstating somebody on sentiment, which is what it would be. No. You see, in that last four minutes, more sense out of Mr Smith than you've heard out of Westminster all week. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say century, but go on. Well, I was going to put you up for Prime Minister. Right. Well, got, got knocked to replace up there, have we? <laughs> Somebody who should have been Prime Minister and could still be Prime Minister, of course, is Alan Swain, because he, 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 would, sort, he would sort everything out from top to bottom, but we don't do politics on this show. Uh, at the end of last season, the chairman of Newt Rugby Club told us in here, um, everybody that's listening, that um, his club would not be paying players, it is a community club, and his players would be playing for the honour of representing the town. So, we need to know now what, see, what kind of season we can expect. We've got a new coach, we've got new ideas, but pleasingly, the same old captain's back, which is lovely to see. He spent most of the last season injured, but on the odd occasion when he did play, <laughs> it, was very, it was very good. Um, <laughs> so we need to talk about that. We also need to talk about the ludicrous situation that they've played one match so far, and that was a cup match. And they're out of the cup that they won last season before the season's even started, and you're playing a cup match before you played this week's friendly. That makes absolutely no sense to me. But this weekend's friendly, of course, is um, against Rob's noisy neighbours, as he as he calls them. And I've yet to see a friendly in a rugby match, but it's more than just a get together and a friendly. So I want to start with that, please. So it, um, I want to start with Alan. Alan, welcome back to. Uh, to Sport HQ, we've 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 missed you while you've been on no doubt some exotic ten week holiday to the other side of the world somewhere. <laughs> that hasn't been true. I've been actually nursing my wife, who's got a got a new knee at the moment, and despite two and a half weeks of my cooking, she looks quite well. <laughs> <laughs> Take it then you were disappearing sometime in the in the rugby season. <laughs> yes, I thought you might. Okay. Um, We've talked about um, the 100 years of Newt Rugby Club. There's lots of things already happened, but uh, really what is happening this Saturday is uh, right up there at the top of the celebrations. Yes, it is. I mean, we had a, a fantastic evening around six weeks ago at the Centenary Dinner it, on the hottest night in Christendom. Uh, but, uh, you know, Will had a few words and then five other old uh, fogies like me had a few words uh, and it was just a great night we had had nothing but really positive feedback from across the age spectrum so that was that was the kind of first big thing with regard to centenary and uh this weekend we'll be celebrating uh the first match virtually 100 years ago as of today uh and our neighbours, our noisy neighbours, as Rob calls them, have been really, really accommodating, and I want to say thank you to them on the radio tonight. Uh, we wanted uh, to have uh, a good, close, competitive game with somebody. Uh, we had uh, a match lined up with Notts Links and Derby's under 20, but for whatever reason, that fell through, and Southwell uh, came straight into the, into the breach. And rather than just play the first team, they've really entered into the spirit of it. So we have both uh, the first teams and the second teams playing on Saturday. Uh, slightly different kickoffs, which I can discuss. Uh, and we've also invited uh, 
uh, all of our mini and youth guys down for a bit of fun from one o'clock. Uh, what we're doing then is we're going to... Leicester Tigers are going to be there. They're bringing a few inflatables down and these silly silly games, which are all great fun for, for youngsters and uh, old-age pensioners alike. Uh, we've also got Newark Archers, who will be uh, showing off their wares and trying to attract a few new uh, a few archers. And it just promises to be a great a great afternoon out at, uh, at Callum Road. Uh, and for those who are of the more mean nature, uh, they'll be pleased to hear that uh, A, there's no entrance fee, uh, B, there are no programmes, and C, the hot buffet is free of charge. So there are no excuses not to be at Callum Road uh, this Saturday afternoon. I've already got visions, Tony, of um, the captain competition for next week. Newark rugby captain pointing at the archers where to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's there for the take. I've got to get a photo of him somewhere near, near the archers. Well, in, in, in my 33-year experience of, uh, of local derbies, the one thing it's actually missed has been archers. <laughs> <laughs> because when Newark met Southwell, they used to leave the ball off for the first 20 minutes and let them get on with it. But um, apparently things have changed. It's got a lot more competitive now with archers involved. <laughs> no, the uh, S- Southwell have been, uh, as I say, really, really accommodating. Uh, they said, because they're obviously down a division at the moment, but I believe what Rob has uh, arranged is that if Southwell don't come up, if we're in different divisions next year, then we will reciprocate and go over there. Uh, because obviously, you know, there will be a big crowd and that's good for... A, our bar profits, and B, when it's reciprocated, it'd be good for their bar take as well. So it's a, it's a proper, it's a proper good, friendly rivalry. I think it's the match that everybody wanted to see because we had all the fun and games last season of tormenting Rob and tried to get him to sort of <laughs> jump, get down off that fence before he got too many splinters. Um, but I, I, I'm in the group that was sad to see Southall relegated. Because it's a bit like the cricket. We, for a time this season, we thought Bolton or Collingham could get relegated, but a cricket match between Bolton and Collingham and a rugby match between Newark and Southall is what us supporters want to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I personally love those games. Um, we, we were lucky enough to do the double uh, last year, and like I said, it was you know sad to see them. Sad's probably the wrong word, but it's you know, it's unfortunate to see them go down because they are something a bit different home or away you know when you're at home you look forward to kind of you know probably a few extra supporters down and uh, the thought of um, getting a, getting one over and them uh, on your own patch and when you go there it's it's that siege mentality they, they get some good support out too and it's it's always a great game it's always competitive and I think Saturday will, you know it's, like you said it's been described as a friendly but there's <laughs> no it's probably no such thing as this so uh, yeah we're, we're dead excited to, to go out again for another time it, it, what I like to see also, Alan, and, 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 and you've alluded to it a couple of times now, is that um, once they go on that pitch at three o'clock, then it's give everything. But when they're back in the bar at five o'clock, both teams are still together, but this time they're drinking together. And isn't that how it should be? And off the field as well, the administration side of it, work together for the good of rugby. Why, why, why fall out with each other? No, I, I agree with that. I mean... Southwell have got some good administrators. Uh, they have good relationships with, you know, uh, Rob and other people in the club. But any on-pitch rivalry, it has to be that way. In, it, at any sport, it doesn't matter whether it's rugby or cricket or 
or soccer you know that's what sport and particularly local derbies are all about that's what I used to relish when we played Southwell we always used to play them early season in the old days you know 40 50 years ago whenever it was uh, and it's just been great for it's great for Will and the boys for this weekend I first covered um, Newark versus Southwell at Kellam Road uh, for the advertiser in 1986 and I was standing next to a bloke that I didn't know called Conrad Hunt <laughs> and I was wearing my Newark Rugby Club pullover because I was working for the Newark advertiser and we scored a try <clears throat> and I jumped up and punched the air in front of Conrad Hunt who next week I had to see at Park Lane and <laughs> I've had a nice chat with him while I reported on Southall and that was the first time me and Conrad have met so I've always been involved head-on with the rivalry between the two clubs. <laughs> Con- Conrad is a great example of a, of a, of a great Southall player. Yes. And, he, you know, he and I competed, you know, in the, in the 1970s and early 80s. And then, but Conrad had rather better longevity than me, and I think, <laughs> I think was playing till he was about 60. But, uh, no, he's a brilliant, brilliant rugby lad. So we've got a cracking game to look forward to. It's three o'clock kickoff, but the fun and games start at about one o'clock. Yeah, fun and games start at one uh, with the youngsters. I'm not quite sure what's uh, organised, but uh, uh, I know it's going to involve our youngsters and uh, and the Leicester Tigers coaches, as I say, and some inflatables and uh, and rugby based uh, leisure activity. So the gates are open at twelve. Uh, the bars open at twelve. Free food from one second team kick off at two o'clock a few words from the club president at about ten to three just prior to the first team game that will be kicking off at uh, at three o'clock excellent and of course it goes about saying that uh, radio note sport will be there anywhere where there's free food we will be (laughs) we we will be attending um right i'm going to get a little bit serious and go back to what i said at the top of the show about the community club and we are not paying players because we want to know what uh, particularly the captain thinks of uh, of that statement that's coming up next it's very commendable that newark are a community club and they are not paying players that's brilliant because you you then you are playing for the badge on the other side of the coin in this day and age like it or not if you want to go up the leagues you have got to pay people to play the sport. Look at FlowServe. Look now at Newark Town. They are paying players, better players, to progress through the league. It's happened fairly locally at Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe and Newark played each other regular five, six, seven years ago. Scunthorpe are now probably four or five divisions higher. That's a decision a club must make. Newark have made their decision. What does the captain think of that decision? I think it's the right decision at the moment for us not to be doing that. Um, I know we talked quickly just before about, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. When when it's good, it's good. And when it's going well, it's going well. But, you know, there's been countless uh, examples of where it's gone wrong and, and teams have, you know, shot up and, and shot back down in, in equal measure and, you know, if not worse, uh, I think when I first started playing, we played Mansfield in the um, the cup final, who were two, maybe three leagues above us in that time, um, and now they're I think they're two below. 
Uh, you've talked about Ilkeston, and they were two, three leagues up. And now they're now they're in our league. Um, I think it's you know everyone's gonna have an opinion on it, but I think for us where we are at the moment, uh, I think it's the right choice not to be not to be paying. And I think when you start knocking on the door of you know top of Midlands one, you know looking at national leagues, it's it's definitely something worth considering. But again, like we said out there, I think you need to have a really really sustainable model and, and a reliable source of, of of cash to make it happen, so it doesn't go wrong. Alan. Um, that sustainable and reliable, and reliable source of, of cash is will eventually, I'm assuming, coming through through the wonderful clubhouse that, that you that you masterminded. So, it would your opinion is? I'm intrigued on this same question as I gave to Will. I think this is a subject I could speak for a long while about, uh, but you know, I I, I basically uh, totally agree with Will if, if we started paying players at the moment you don't just pay them for nothing you pay them for additional commitment and, you know, guaranteed training what of our other guys that have gone elsewhere to look they just don't want their social game to be dominated by money it's not just a question of chucking in a few quid to pay someone to play. That's not what these other clubs are talking about. I I believe that Hinkley, for example, who are three divisions above us, two or three, uh, I think their wage bill is £220,000 a year. So this is, this, is not, this is not petty cash. And even if we used our club to its full ca- capability in terms of numbers of people... We wouldn't raise two hundred twenty thousand pounds a year, so I, th- I think it's a fairly. Uh, uh, I'm not sure it's a relevant question at, at the moment for us, notwithstanding you know, what a, what a brilliant clubhouse that we have. Uh, and the thing that worries me because I, I, I do accept I'm a you know uh, an old timer, but uh, you can see that those clubs that have gone semi-professional, they no longer have functioning third teams or second teams etc so do we just become New York Rugby Club that's got a great first team and we're semi-professional or do we want to continue to be a community club and certainly uh, it was great to hear what Will said but uh, although I'm not obviously on the board anymore but I know that people like Andrew Fern and other senior members in the club all feel the same that does not mean to say that in five years time or ten years time that rugby will be uh, significantly different I mean rugby now is significantly different how it was you know we talked in the paper yesterday about the professional women's game for example who would have thought that even the England women's players let alone the the uh, the women's league players would have central contracts three years ago or four years ago. You know, the, the nature of rugby is, ch- is changing quickly. I, I, in my view, what I, what I do think will happen uh, is that there'll be a significant reduction in rugby clubs. Now, every club, when I was president, rather than running five sides, now run two or three. And the whole financial model of junior club rugby is changing. You know, when I played 45 years ago, the main income was the bar. 
the main income for Newark is not the bar. It's a it's a sizable income, but the main income is is the bar alongside you know the the uh, the pre match lunches and the sponsors and everything else. And at small clubs, you know, they're not going to have that kind of revenue, and they haven't got the numbers of players. So I can just see these small clubs being increasingly squeezed. So so my view on this and i'm kind of answering the question is that there'll be a consolidation of clubs and some of which will go semi-professional but i don't think that's where newark is at the moment interesting um it, it is like a throwback though when you go to to kenham road it's just <coughs> how i love sport that, that you know the spectators are, are there to support the side but also to applaud the opposition not again to applaud to applaud the opposition and the players are showing respect to the officials and to the crowd and it's how probably football used to be when i was young but unfortunately it's not anymore and this is the thing isn't it will you've got to keep you mustn't must not go down that same track as what football has, has, has gone and the more money that gets involved in the sport I mean I'm a great believer that Sky has ruined football um, but the more money that gets involved in sport the more commercial it's going to get yeah I think we've we've talked a lot um, you know when I started doing the job last year and you know even more emphasis on it this year is about just figuring out why we're coming down to play obviously there's, there's no money involved so take that off the table straight away you, it's great to know that you know for a fact the the guys uh, and, and the girls that are coming as well to, to their sessions um, are turning up because they want to be there they want to play rugby and more so at Newark um, you know you're not you know you're never going to get any uh, there's never going to be any divides in the squad over over, over money uh, debates over contracts that sort of thing it's it's really nice to know for a fact that the people there are doing it because they want to be there and they want to play for Newark. It's, it's, a, it's a good feeling to have. But isn't that, Tony, isn't that the way to be? And, and I know your love of Slow Servant have been my team all my life, but <coughs> Newark players are, are, are playing for the badge because they're getting nothing else out of it. Flow Serve players, with the greatest of respect to them, are, are playing for... Flowserve mainly because Flowserve are paying more than somebody else, and Newark Town players are playing for Newark Town because they're paying more than what Collingham are playing. I'm not saying they don't give 100% because they do, mm. but if you're playing sport for rugby, even cricket in Division A, one player in a team gets 10 grand for a season, 10 players get nothing. Yeah, but you're talking about obviously three totally different sports and. Rugby has always been something that has been perceived as an, as an amateur sport. But many, many years ago, I went with Charlie Fears and Richard Ewins uh, to a friendly fixture away at Stoke, uh, just a few days before Christmas. And Stoke had an England B fly half, an England B flanker, and they clearly weren't Stoke lads. Mm. They were just there because at the time it was still an amateur game, but they found it increasingly hard to get their shoes on before the game. You know, <laughs> and, and basically because they were full of fivers. And uh, there was a convo- I was in the back seat on the way home, 
and Richard Ewans was driving and Charlie Fears is in the passenger seat and they had a conversation together uh, about how Newark needed to turn professional if they were going to match people who were going the same way that Stoke were. And I thought it was a fascinating conversation, so I listened intently, and then the following morning at work, I wrote a Sports Thoughts column based on the conversation. But it just something about it didn't, didn't read right. It, it, it was perfectly formed and perfectly written, <laughs> but there was just something about it that... And so I phoned Richard Ewins, who was a solicitor, and um, they, he basically said, yep, yeah, Tony, that's absolutely spot on, but you can't print it. Because if you do, next season we'll be playing rugby league. <laughs> but but it's 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 a principle that hasn't changed, and that's what makes clubs like New York Rugby Club so special. But I had the conversation with you a couple of years ago on air when I said I don't agree with New York Flow Surf paying Step Seven footballers, and you said okay then stop paying them now and then see what your squad is at the weekend. And so I had to accept it especially as I now am employed by the chairman on behalf of the football club, I can't say anything against it. But, you know, it's the way you've got to go in football these days. It is. If, you, if you're going to climb the pyramid. But it's not the way you're going to go in rugby union necessarily. And long and long may that last. This is Radio Note Sport with Mick Bradley and Tony Smith and our special guest tonight talking about rugby, Alan Swain and Will Britton. Keep your eyes open as we venture very soon into the world of Instagram. All the action as it happens on MB Sport. Sounds good, don't it? I haven't got a clue what I'm doing, but it sounds good. Right, time now to find out um, about what we can expect from the new season. Um, I'm not going to put the captain on the spot, first of all, um, so I'm going to leave this one to Alan. Alan, a new coaching, a new head coach, a new coaching team. We discussed um, with Andrew Fern at the end of last season and... One thing I very quickly learnt about Andrew, he he doesn't know what a fence is to sit on. Um, no. Um, and, and he gave us chapter and verse as to why you've had the change. Um, can you tell us about the guys now that are going to take New York Rugby Club to success? Uh, Andrew and I worked uh, extremely uh, closely together for four years uh, while I was president. And as you say, he's... Uh, he has an opinion on most things, and uh, <laughs> which is fantastic, because uh, I'm, I'm pretty. Uh, uh, most of the time, we're like-minded as well, so that's uh, even better. Uh, no, he's a good, good friend as well, uh, Andrew, and he's been a fantastic chairman of the club. So this really kind of revolves around the professional question in some ways, Mick. That, <clears throat> to my mind, you know, if the club is making a, a modest surplus, then we should be using that to invest in our overall club facilities and most importantly and i would say most importantly in providing as much as we can to the playing membership to enable them to be as good as they possibly can be uh, so to answer the question you know we, we have got a new coaching setup uh, tim barker it handled that extremely well uh, and from all that I hear is that the, the, the feedback from players, spectators, observers etc is that the coaching setups have been extremely inclusive we've had 
uh, a small number of new players join us already. We've had a couple of guys, this is quite fortunate, that are Newark lads that went away to university but have actually come back to Newark. Uh, and I think just generally, and I'm sure Will knows a lot more than I do, but generally there's quite a buzz about Callum Road at the moment and uh, there's a, uh, a degree of optimism uh, about the forthcoming season. So, Will, um, name some names then. Who are the who, who, who is the new coach? <coughs> new coach, uh, head coach, got Adam Corcoran, uh, who was at Pavia's previously, who got promoted into national, well, it's Midlands Premier last season. So, he's obviously got some you know, great experience there. Uh, and like like Alan said, all the feedback has been great so far. And you know, I've worked real closely with him, and he's a really, really. Um, intelligent coach um, not just rugby wise he knows kind of how to motivate people and what, what pushes their buttons and you know keeps everyone kind of on the ball keeps the sessions ticking over nicely uh, and we had our first game on, on the weekend to, so to see how he handled that too was really interesting he did a did a real good job and then we've got um, James Offer helping out with the backs uh, which is really good as well he's got you know, a brilliant rugby brain um, one of the best kind of boots I've ever seen. So for the kickers, he'll be he'll be brilliant on that. Um, you know, going forward, one of the best fly offs um, I've, I've definitely played with in, in these in these leagues. Um, and it's been really positive. I think it's nice. Again, like Alan said, he's right. There's, there's a there's a real buzz around the place. Um, there's there's guys coming back from uni have added something a bit different. And I think the fact that we've got, you know, we had trained last night and it was it was twenty. 23 boys there and we were going oh it's low numbers and so, you know, to, to consider 23 as low numbers considering where we've been in, you know, over the last past couple of seasons is, is a real luxury which is great you know at, at times I think before the first game that Thursday night I think we had 35 lads down training you know spanning across all three teams which is brilliant it is, it is brilliant and I think that's that's probably a, a benchmark for success already getting that getting those numbers down and being able to turn out a, a strong first team side and then a twos and threes which had I think around 32 squad members for that Saturday rolled on and off which is brilliant I, I do think it, it's it is a, you need fresh fresh ideas so you man coming in from the outside to bring fresh ideas but you also need <coughs> new rugby club people there as well and you, you've actually got that mix haven't you yeah I think as well you know talking about the new lads we've not lost many boys either there's going to be a couple that go off to university um, and that's that's about it like we, we said last season it's a really promising group in terms of what we you know, age demographic and also where they're going to be going over the next few seasons I think we'll, we're going to keep the nucleus of the squad from last year and then like probably say, lose less this year than than, than we have in, in in recent other years definitely so who, who are you losing to you let's do the downside yeah we, so James Brogdon uh, is going off to Hull so he's That's close enough yeah he's going to see how he gets on there I think um, and when I say lose you know I'm not, I don't mean necessarily permanently so Sam Booth is going to Nottingham Trent uh, so he's no reachable. no excuses at all he's going to be reachable I'll be I'll be on to him most weeks uh, <laughs> Will Sage has got an apprenticeship with JCB um, so he's going to be uh, Chesterfield way I think again you're not a million miles away and I think he's trying to commit to a session a week in a game which is great and I think actually that's about it there's a couple of others um, but as you said there's Ed, Ed Paulson who played a bit last year he, he's going to be out of reach at Manchester again which is a shame but he got some game time on the weekend but overall it, it stayed and like you said we've got a, a good mix of guys so who've been let, there and let's do the off. guys coming back then um, ok so you've got uh, Spencer Coldwell uh, he's just finished at university I'm not sure where he was but he's come back into the mix he's a, he's a tidy midfielder uh, he played fly off on the weekend 
it's nice to have a backup for when when Matt Cox is away. Um, Alex O'Dell, another one who's just finished. Uh, he's a he's a good I think his primary position scrum half, but he's he's play across the back line which is again yeah. real handy he's got his specialism but he can cover which is good um, then you got a couple of say like Alan said a few guys from Highcombe so we've got Steve Quinlan who's come in and he's brought his pals um, Jamie Vinter uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a nice back rower uh, and Carl um, I didn't catch his second name who came for his first session last night who looks really good at two um, and there's a new there's a guy George Woodman who played a bit of age group who captained NLD uh, not that long ago as well who's just finished his, his degree and is going to be around for a bit as well so he's, he's a big big strong second row so you've got quite a good mix of backs and forwards coming back as well which is really nice that's all very optimistic so um, where are you going to finish? <laughs> <laughs> I got caught out on this last time didn't I? Um, no pressure I'll sit on that fence I'll sit, I'll sit <laughs> yeah, on, go, I'll, yeah go I'll, sit next to Rob I'll hop on that fence yeah. um, where are we going to finish? look I think um it was I think it's going to be a very a very similar season to last year to be honest the league's real real tight I think again who, who um, have we lost <laughs> team, team wise <clears throat> who, oh so yeah so Southall have gone down Southall have um, gone down and he got that in straight away yeah, didn't Ash, he yeah yeah that's Southall and Ashby went yeah. down um, and again it just goes to show we had two tough games with Southall um, beat Ashby at home but lost away at our place so again you know they've gone down but they weren't exactly the whipping boys of the league so full credit to them and then um, uh, Colville have come across um, Nottingham Casuals who we beat in the, the final of the of the um, Shield have come up as have Ashfield Ashfield yeah. who are our first first league game I think away yeah so uh, yeah, again, a bit of an unknown quantity, but you know you've got to be on your guard of those guys because Long Eaton came up last year and they did, you know, they've done really well. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on. But I think it's going to be quite similar. I think it's going to be tight again. I think, yeah, you know, I think you, you, you take the top of the league last year and, and probably Ashby at the very bottom. There wasn't a lot between the rest of you, was there? No, we, we finished in ninth, I think, and we were four or five points off fourth yeah you know it's pretty I've never seen it like that before so you know that, that's positive but that again that equally makes you kind of you've got to be on your toes and you've got to pick up points where, where you can because it is incredibly tight uh, and, and a bonus point here and there losing or try is going to be invaluable that's what we didn't really do as well as we should have done last year didn't yeah. it uh, we, we won quite a lot of games by a, a relatively small number of points but we lost too many games by by distance, didn't we? We, we didn't. I think we, we only got one. I think two losing bonus points. Yeah, uh, all season, something like that. So, I think, as Will said, these extra points really add up if we can just come out of some of these games with perhaps one point or two points rather than none. Uh, then that that would could really get us there. No, we we do well at Callum Road. Generally speaking, it's not quite a fortress, but it's. Uh, <laughs> We, we don't lose many there, do we? No, I th uh, you, you're, you're spot on, I think. Um, I think he's having a go at your game management. Probably, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not brave enough for <laughs> that. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think um, yeah, there's, there's, there was points left out there and, and, and points conceded, which you know we could have avoided. And that, uh, Corky, um, Adam Corcoran, has really bought in that a uh, work ethic you know, of being switched on for the full 80, so I'm hoping that we can implement that not, and be a bit more guarded. Not being in any way critical. <laughs> is the bonus point situation is, is it a type of game management then that, you know I, I know in cricket then that you get them playing the last 10 overs that stop the opposition getting an extra 
bowling point. Have you got to think on those lines as well as play the game? Are, are, are you thinking, okay, we've won the game easily, how do we stop them getting a, a losing bonus point or, or vice versa? Is that going through your head? It is. As it, well as playing the game, because that, that's difficult. It is, and it's a tough one because, you know, my, my first instinct and opinion is to just, you've got to win the game. First and foremost, there's no point, you know, you know, you've got to win that game to pick up the, the extra bonus points to make it count. So, But when it becomes tough, like you say, is when you're you know, a couple of points ahead and you know, you're pressing on the line and you've got a penalty, you know, do you go for that scrum and try and get that extra point or do you put yourself, you know, take a kick and put yourself a bit further? Further in front, it's and it, and it's then it's tough and there's no science to it. You just gotta you gotta read the game and when you've got a boot like like Coxie's, the temptation is to just nudge points over where you can. But but it is tough. It is a tough thing to manage, definitely. It's no good nodding, Mister Swain. You're on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> He's saying, no, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, if you watch the professional game, uh, I often feel that. These guys are making some poor decisions. There's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot for particularly for non-professional guys to take on board in the middle of a in the middle of a game situation. Uh, but I think you know, by and large, New York, New York make most of the you know make good decisions by and large. Uh, I think where I felt disappointed last season is that, uh, and I've said this to Will before, is that we lost too many games by too many points. You know, we. I want to say we gave up. That's 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 far too inflammatory a comment. But we, if you look at our defensive record last year, compared with other people around us in the league, our points difference was significantly uh, less advantageous, should we say? Yeah, it's a case. So, yeah. uh, so I, I just, I, I just feel, as you say, this is concentrating for eighty minutes, and exactly if if it's not a winnable game, let's keep going and see if we can get one or two points out of it. And I and I felt sometimes that that last year, I want to say we di- we certainly did not give up, but we certainly conceded too many points. Of course, we're very honoured, aren't we? Because we've got the youngest and second youngest ever captain of, of um, New York Rugby Club here. Because when we sort of announced you as cap- the youngest ever captain in the history of New York Rugby Club, it took about ten seconds for Mr. Swain <laughs> to get on the phone. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot in it. Will. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm really saying is. We've put in an awful lot on young shoulders, and yeah. thankfully you're um, you're taking it all and learning all the time. Yeah, I, I hope so. We'll, we'll we'll see this season, won't we? I guess um, you know, like we watched the game on Saturday, and there's there's definitely still areas that you can point out and say that's down to experience and stuff. So, but we don't want to be doing that too much. Uh, I think it's an easy it is an easy uh, excuse to make at times but th- there definitely is that factor you know I think I was saying to Alan before Tim Barker the director of rugby worked out our starting pack on Saturday the average age was 19 you know, <laughs> you know which is pretty crazy to go, especially against a pack like Lincoln who are you know well seasoned yeah. big big guys and unfortunately there are times where just you know being a bit more wily knowing how to close out a game knowing what to do in the right situations counts you know we've got a load of advantages with that youth but with that comes yeah, comes some drawbacks, and I'm, I'm hoping that um, we'll, we'll hopefully learn learn from last season and kind of like like Alan said, it's you know, about keeping on the ball for 80 minutes, you know, thinking about the points and the the impact of you know staying strong in the middle of the field. Okay, coming up next, uh, we're going to give these two lads a rest, and we're going to talk to um, the chairman of Newark R&M Cricket Club. Last weekend, Newark R&M Cricket Club opened their new cricket pitch. This weekend. The first team are playing Hicklin. 
end of season match you may think until you look at the league tables four points between the two teams quite simply the winner of that match gets promoted what what a couple of weeks for Newark R&M so we're going to talk to the chairman Luke Chignall Luke good evening welcome back to Radio Newark Sport thanks a lot how are you I'm very well thanks um let's go back to last Sunday first and uh tell us what a proud day it was for you it was a fantastic day it's um our President's Day, which is an annual event that we have anyway, and that's um, something that they've done at, at Newark Cricket Club prior to us merging, um, and that we've tried to do ever since as well. And it's always been a nice chance for us to look back at the history of the club to celebrate our work with the President. Uh, this year was a bit different for us, because um, rather than necessarily looking back at what's happened, um, it, it was a chance for us to look forward. Um, it's the opening, or was the opening, of a new field that's been in the pipeline now for some time, Callum Road. We worked very closely with the council to try and deliver that over the last 18 months and we were very surprised that in the midst of all the extreme weather we had uh, last year that led to our, our ground being underwater for, for about the first couple of months and then a scorching heat wave that finished the season we were very surprised that the, the field would be in any state by the end of that but we were fortunate in that the work that they, they did on the ground meant that it was ready for this year and although it's not been fully um, used this year it just seemed to fit in perfectly with President's Day to be the first opportunity for there to be cricket on that second field in Callum Road, which is, as you said, a, a pretty big event for us. The pitch itself looks absolutely in pristine condition. It really did look the part, and the ball's coming onto the bat lovely. All you need now, actually, is a bridge over the A46 so I can get from the rugby ground to the cricket ground <laughs> and back again so I can report on both. So um, ju- ju- just point. get that sorted out, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, we'll make that the next make that next project. Um, but it, was you surprised just how well that, that played and how well it, it looked? I was, yes. Um, and particularly for how well it played now. I mean, it's no secret that in the 200 years of people having put tremendous effort into getting the main field at Kenham Road together um, it's it still never been and, and will never be a top class top quality wicket um, I, I found out in fact on Sunday it was, it was a farmer's field and, and actually it's not even um, a, a proper cricket square at the heart of it obviously it's now become that because of the work people have done but, but that main field at, at Newark in fact um, has just been a, really a, a testament to all the, the hard work people have put in so um, I knew, I suppose, and, and anticipated that the new field would eventually play better, would be a, a harder wicket. Um, but to have played like that straight away, and with very few blips, I'm very surprised that our advice was quite clear, which is that it won't play at the top of its game for another couple of years because it's got to be used, it's got to be, um, it's got to be rolled, it's got to have all the various stuff, and, and with time. It will, it will improve even further. But I have to say, if it stays like it did on Sunday for the rest of its life, then there'll be no complaints from the club. And that brings us on to this Saturday. And if you beat Hicklin, you're going into Division C, while Southwell are dropping into Division D. Um, you know, local derby status, why not? But, I mean, um, wouldn't it be fantastic to see New York up into Division C? It would. It wouldn't. And it's, um, it's so surprising the way that this has worked. I know when we were looking at points before, I think if Hickling had won their last game, it was conceivable that it could have been the case that if Newark were able to get 20 points and hold Hickling to, to zero points in the final game, then um, we, we, we could have squeezed past them. Um, that obviously would have been difficult because trying to, to hold any team to zero points and, and trying to get all 20 yourself 
to an extent is outside your control, but it's just classic, really, win-lose cricket now. Uh, we win, we go up, Hickling win, they go up, and Hickling are, are a good side. They've been a good outfit when we've played them before this year. Um, Division B's had a number of good teams in them this year that, that we've been pleased to play against, but I think the guys have done what they did, um, what they've done for the last few seasons, really, which is in the last few games, the second half of the season, get a lot of momentum going, uh, a lot of team camaraderie, and really set their eyes on a target. Um, I think if we, in future, start doing that from the the first game of the year, and we do it throughout, then, then we're going to be um, a very, very strong force in cricket. But that's exactly what we've done for the last few games, and now we are, um, we're are we seeing the consequence of that. So I, I wish the, the first team the best of luck. I think they're in great hands with Harry Atkinson as their captain. He's done a top job with them this year and for the last few years as well. So I'm excited to see what, what they'll do on Saturday. And the weather forecast looks good. It does. It looks good enough. Um, I know Friday, I think, is a bit wet, and there's now various showers that are forecast throughout the week. But, I mean, we've got the covers down there, and, and it's been all right until now, so the ground's not too saturated. So it's the sort of game that we, we um, certainly would have no plans of cancelling. I think there may well be um, an additional effort, even if it looked like it would be in, in this week, to try and ensure we can get the game on. You've got to get that one played. And uh, <laughs> the best of luck to um, everybody at Newark R&M. And uh, won't it be a fantastic finish, the new pitch and promotion um, in a matter of eight days and uh, cricket well and truly on the up. Luke, the best of luck. We'll keep our eyes open. I intend um, dodging the traffic on the A46 between the rugby and the cricket. So I'll no doubt see you at some stage on Saturday afternoon. It'll be a pleasure to see you, Mick. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye. Bye. It's um, looking good down the Catham Road area, Alan. You know, they're on the up, you're you're on the up, they've got new facilities, you have. It's um, a new sport at the moment. <coughs> it is <coughs> looking the part, isn't it? Well, well, I'm just delighted for the, uh, you know, for the cricket club that I know this has been in the uh, offing for, for a long while, so uh, I know how we felt when we'd finished our major projects and I'm sure they're feeling the same kind of elation uh, so no good, good for them good for them it's absolutely brilliant right what um, in the last five minutes this is um, where we test Will yet again because um, every captain knows what the opposition has got in the next few weeks um, Southall obviously <coughs> is the friendly all smiles <laughs> kick about and no pressure no <laughs> nothing um then after that it really does start to get important because it is all about league points and you start Ashfield away um, which is another promoted team the same as last year which you will know I assume very little about yeah I don't think I can remember playing against them especially in recent years um, and like you said we, earlier we saw Long Eaton come up last season do really well and Ashby have come up and gone straight back down so it, you, know, you never know what you're going to get you're away at their place first game they've got a point to prove so it's going to be I've no doubt it'll be it'll be tough to go away and, and win there so you've got to kind of you know hopefully take some momentum from this weekend uh, into that and then um, then you go into another cup matter now yeah. we, we haven't had time I, I just find it unbelievable that you, you, you are made to play a cup <laughs> match before the rugby season has even started it's just it's farcical in my in my in my world um but that's the way it is so um but it's the national cup is it yeah yeah the national cup is the week after on the uh, 
21st. Right, and you're on the road again, Stuart Lloyd's. No. Oh, at Callum Road. Oh, Callum Road, yeah. So Callum, Callum, yeah. But again, another team that you'll know nothing no. about. No, no. It's, uh, it's How nice. do you go about that, Will? Because two weeks on the bounce, you can't really do any homework. I think you got... To be honest, I think you should prepare the same every time. It's what we try to do. You know, you're gonna, you got to prepare for a good team. I think as soon as you start reading into scores, results, points here, points there, especially you in the yeah, cup, yeah. You, you, you're in a, you're in a bad place. So I think we'll we'll prepare and assume there'll be a real strong outfit. This, you know, and, and we're gonna, yeah, you know, it'll be nice to have a home game, especially in a cup. Yeah, again, cup games are slightly different out of the league. You know, you, there's a bit of different <laughs> feeling and approach to it. But and then the first home game, a league home game, Colville. In yeah, Colville. And for, for even my experience, Colville are, are always big and strong. Yeah, we know that's going to be a tough one. We know for a fact they're they're real physical. They've got some some big forwards, uh, real hefty hefty guys, and they've got a couple of couple of big centres from what I can remember. Again, teams change, but y- you know generally what you're going to get with them, and that'll be tough. So we're going to do them for home. speed, aren't we? And this time we are going to do teams for speed. <laughs> that's where we are. A young athletic side and, well, as, and as the others tire after about an hour no it's going to click into another gear and away we go well I mean we, Will talked about the coaching but we he didn't mention Stuart Birch and the conditioning that he's been doing with the boys and uh, from what I hear he's been quite unpleasant with them which is uh, good. is good news for us spectators <laughs> uh, but uh, on a serious note you know as you say we've got a young side and we think we're reasonably fit and you know, hopefully, you know that's going to hold us in good stead. Yeah, I think you saw a bit of on the weekend actually. I think Lincoln came out organs blazing first, yeah, you know, first half, and then they we got a bit of momentum going in the second, and we looked real strong for a 15, 20 minute period. Uh, we had a bit of a purple patch, so you know that the the fitness and the fact that we're very confident in the second half performance is is there. It's just like we've we've talked about. It's making sure we don't rely on that too much, and you've got to go from the go from the off. Well, we're all about to find out, starting with the fun and games of a local derby against Southall. Um, the fun and games start at one o'clock. The match itself starts at three o'clock, as ever, at Kellen Road. Get there early, because there's always something going off. Big thanks to Alan and to Will for popping in, and uh, we'll follow you with Rob all the rugby season, and we're going to have a great rugby season. Tomorrow, a new game to play, a new pitch side, Dave, to talk to, as um, we get... Uh, back involved with football coming up next of course on 107.8 fm it's the 60s with sir douglas hall while on digital radio it's the farm boy himself andrew channing to take you into the night uh, we're back of course at seven o'clock tomorrow and remember saturday Kellam rose a place to be whichever side you want to be it's new at sport at its best we-